Alright, and welcome back to Uncommonly Good. I'm Alan Ladd, and we have the living legend Mike Reed, as always. We also have two guest speakers today. One is my wife, Ashley Ladd. Uh, maiden name is Powers, which around here doesn't sound like a lot, but in Stephenville, they know exactly who she is on the state champion volleyball team there. 2003, mm -hmm. yes? 2003. Alright, I'm, I'm on a roll already. Uh, and then we also have on with us... John Cherry, who is a folk hero around here. As he's yeah, we're Gordon. excited to have him. Hometown boy. and, and yeah. uh, Grab him I, on the way here. I did. I was yes. actually uh, just driving by. He's hanging out on the front porch. And uh, and I thought he'd be a great person with today's topic to really kind of come in here and, and uh, kind of chime in and share in with some of our thoughts. Uh, John, why don't you tell some of the people a little bit where all you've coached and, and uh, let them know a little bit about you. Uh, I started my ninth year of coaching. Um, my first four years I spent at Stephenville Faith. Uh, right after that, I went to Cedar Park Summit as an offense coordinator. Uh, I was at Calvert as the AD. We, we were actually uh, blessed to be on ESPN there. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I was at uh, Richmond Springs for two years, and now I'm the AD at uh, Rochelle. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to jump off script here for just a minute, so nobody right. nobody panic and, and freeze out on me. But as I'm as I'm going by John's house, there there were some kids out there, and I just left my two kids as as I was leaving the house, and uh, you know, of course, strikers, you know, gonna make some jokes and uh, and stuff. So um, I think now would just be a great time to throw in the dad jokes, the corny dad jokes, and and surely. Shirley John's got one. He's a young, young father, and uh, Shirley, Shirley, he's got a good corny dad joke. And and I am the judge and the jury. I didn't know uh, as our as our listeners have learned. It's a little weight on this one. Um, yeah. I, I, I I am the judge and the jury on this, so I don't know if don't you're gonna mess win. Up. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know if you're gonna win. There's some tough. I mean, there's some tough competition in this one. Uh, you you got a corny dad joke? Yeah, fair. Um, so well. Actually, you know, before we get to this, I want to talk about something a little serious. You know, did y'all see that, you know, there's an actress stabbed? Did y'all see that? No. 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 Yeah, it's a, a Reese. Witherspoon? No, no, no. With a knife, man. With oh, a knife. <laughs> with a knife. With a knife. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, not bad. Not bad. No, no, not bad. You're up 1-0 right I'm now. I'm going to take, this, He's gonna take this moment to withdraw from the competition on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull up. I'm gonna we'll we'll let Ashley we'll All let right, Ashley so go. All right, so I have one. Um, uh, what are the only jokes that are allowed during quarantine? The only jokes allowed during quarantine? Is something with a mask? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not, not with a mask. Uh, yeah, I don't what, know. What is it? Inside jokes. Oh yeah. All right, so she's trailing. We have a winner and we have a we have a loser so far. We definitely have that. Um, you want to go, Mike Reed? Have well, I always like to have. I'm the coach that always likes to have the marker last. I mean, no matter what, if we're it's offense or defense, and you're gonna win. I want to have that marker. The marker last always wins. Every coach listening knows that. But but I'll I'll go ahead and chime in. I'll do this. Why did the Clydesdale? Give the pony a glass of water. I don't. I, I have no idea. They were out of beer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no. Because he was a little horse. No. Yeah, I'm winning. Okay. Let's pull the audience right now. Let's pull the audience. Audience. <laughs> Is that how that went? After please, the first person. The yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the audience uh, agrees with this. Laughs. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. All right. What do you got? You got right. one? No, I, I, I was Drew. I, all right, go uh, ahead. We'll, we'll get this started off so, then. All right. 
So we're getting our current events. I just got two today, short and sweet. Um, first one up, there was a painting stolen in the Netherlands. It's a Vincent Van Gogh painting, and it's actually worth 6.2 million U.S. dollars. Um, it was stolen on March 30th, which is his birthday, which is the first weird fact of this story. Second weird fact, it was stolen at 3.15 a.m., and they the burglars tripped the alarm, but somehow managed to get away before the response time. And check their forties. Yeah, well, I, we, we, yes, we, that's well, moving. Somebody, someone needs to sign them. Special teams players, right there. They're yeah. crazy and fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, they. This has happened twenty-eight other times. This is the twenty-ninth. Not only just painting stolen in the Netherlands in the history. This is the twenty-ninth Vincent Van Gogh painting stolen in the Netherlands. So I don't know who's loaning them these paintings, but I would stop. Now the other twenty-eight have been recovered, but. I mean, I, I would go ahead and quit. They obviously haven't watched Oceans 11, 12, or 13, so you know they haven't watched Oceans 8, the newest one. Yeah, they, they haven't done they any need research to take some notes at all. On how like, to prevent burglaries I do on work. a specific yes. day. Yes. <laughs> on the flip side, maybe the criminals should look in. Right now they're, you know, one for 29. If the other 28 have been recovered, maybe yeah. they need to take a step back. Yeah, that is true. Maybe they should go, how do we hold on to this? Yeah. <laughs> how do we keep getting caught? Like, maybe you should stop calling the same person for this information. That's how you get caught. Yeah. Uh, all right, and so moving on to our second one. So this one is, uh, it's funny. It's kind of funny, haha, but not funny in the moment. Um, so there's an 18-year-old woman in Texas here that she was arrested for threatening to spread COVID-19. And they, it happened in Richardson, right? Yes, yes. yeah, in Richardson. Right, and so they, uh, they caught her because people on her Snapchat were seeing these videos of hers posting where she's been, what she's doing, and that she's willfully spreading this virus. She gets arrested, taken into interrogation, where I would assume in about three and a half seconds she folds and goes, I've actually been tested and I don't have it. So I don't know if she thought she, that was like Monopoly, get out of jail free. But no, it was do not pass go, do not collect $200. She was uh, booked, put in jail, being charged with uh, terrorist threats. This is a third degree felony and held on a $20,000 bond. The other funny note was, because whoever did it was obviously pissed off, that uh, she has to go into quarantine for 21 days, even though she tested negative. So a little extra punishment on that one right there. Yeah, it's just people have kind of lost their mind over just... You know, they, what they think's a joke, and we know this from even being in the education business, uh, kids just sometimes think something's really funny and can't decipher the difference between something serious. But it's not just kids, because on Fort Worth Channel News uh, just the other night, they talked about the guy that went by the cop who's sitting out there in the road with his window yes. down, and he walks by, pulls his mask down, and starts coughing on the cop. And, you know, so from, from adults to kids... They're just not really taking anything that is about very, this. Yeah, yeah about not serious. Very serious. And at it's terror. I mean, it's terroristic. I mean, it's you're gonna pay an eighty. He's paying an eighty thousand uh, bond just to get out for that. Golly, yeah. mm. it's more money than money, I spent yeah. on my college <laughs> education yeah. right there. Good lord. Yeah. Oh, that is crazy. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So, also on this day. What? It was for effect. Uh, I can't write. Y'all know I can't write. It's just a blank piece of paper. Uh, so anyways, on this day, April 8th, 1974, Hank Aaron breaks Babe Ruth's home run record. Um, he did it in the fourth inning against Al Dowling, Al Downing, which I'm... 
I feel bad for Al because I'm a pitcher and I or I was a pitcher and I know that if that's your only footnote in history, obviously he was good enough to make it to the majors, but I feel a little sympathy for him there having to be on a little footnote on Hank Aaron's, you know, you were the guy. page. Yeah. You were, like, <laughs> you were the hey, one. Man, like, look, we love you and we gave you a contract, but you also did this. I, I don't know. So, uh, which uh, Hank Aaron is a was obviously a phenomenal player. Uh, he no longer holds the home run record. That was broke by Barry Bonds, but he still has the all-time record for RBIs, which is 2,297. He also was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1982, and he was also an executive for the Braves, which he played for the Braves, but is the first, I believe he's the first African-American executive in the history of baseball, which when he started playing, he was on, he was, uh, MLB debut was seven years after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, and he was actually the last player to play in both the Negro League and the and Major League Baseball. Yeah. So he was a, uh, I mean, he's a amazing dude. I mean, Hank well, Aaron's phenomenal. And what you were talking about earlier, um, and, and even though his accomplishment was there, it was so funny that during the time that Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds were all trying to get their home run records during that time, how many pitchers... Would oh. in their interviews just openly say, "It's not going to be me. I'll walk him." Or yes, I'll, I'll, not today. I'll, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not, yeah, not today. Not today, Satan. Not today. Because you know, with Hank Aaron, when they talk about his accomplishments, they say who he broke the record off of. Yes. and and those pitchers have so much pride about their profession and who they are that that they would that they would walk people. And and I think you were for saying runs, that. Yeah, yeah, walking for runs. Oh yeah, that, like you know. I can remember in a, uh, watching the Giants in a playoff game and. I don't remember who they were playing, but this is to go to the um, to the American League Championship Series, and bases are loaded. Barry Bonds comes up, and I'm thinking, "Oh, he, here we go! Yes, we get to see him hit finally." No, they walked him and walked in a run in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and it was because, well, we'll give up one run, but we're gonna, it's not going to be four. Forget yeah. it. And it's crazy. It is yeah. crazy. All right. And, okay, so our next one for April 8th, this is from 1935. Uh, this is going to end up hitting a little closer to home for us. It has to do with the Emergency Relief Appropriations Act, which is not the act that was passed the other week in the uh, Congress. But this is from 1935. It has to be with FDR's New Deal. And this is important to us because it has to do with the WPA, which is the Works Progress Administration. And what they did was they made a lot of public projects from roads, buildings, bridges, uh, dams, anything you can think of. Uh, and there was nearly 9 million people employed on 1.4 million public projects from 1935 to 1943 in that program. The reason it's important for us is because there's a building here in Gordon that was built by the WPA. Which Do you know which building that is? Well, that's our gymnasium. That is correct. And the it, old one. The old uh, school yes. one. Yes. <laughs> and it's one of the out of where I've been in 20 years of, of being in basketball gymnasiums, it's one of the more beautiful ones. It's so much rock on the outside. I mean, it, uh, you can almost tell every WPA building when you start seeing it because it's all made of the same rock yes, for the most part. All, yes, you're and, But as soon as you walk in the doors, it's dark. Everything is wood. Everything. Everything is wood. Oh, yes. And it is dark wood, knotty pine. And it's, it's beautiful. It is a termite's dream. 
But, I mean, they built a balcony on it yeah, that overlooks stage, the basketball court. Stage, you got the big pillars that go all around it. and Oh, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, well, and with us, we're lucky enough, the lights that are in it were, are not from 1943. That's but, true. There, was, there has I, I been a few upgrades. that dark wood and those great lights we do have in there, it is, it is beautiful and it's awesome. How many kids do you think right now that, you know, travel on the Yellow Dog buses and go from sporting events to sporting events don't even realize that the stadiums that they have even been in or a WPA work project, uh, you know, jam, you know, jam oh, or football stadium. I would say that most of them don't know until after high school, like, or even know what a, the WPA was oh, yeah. to to even build those stadiums, yes, I mean, and how at that time in our economy gave so many people opportunity to put food on the table, uh, you know, through that stimulus. When how many small schools are still running off of one of those gyms? Oh, you know, like how many. Absolutely. I, mean, I feel like tons of small schools are still, that's still their primary gym. Well, in you know, Throckmorton, it's still, you know, yeah. uh, the six years I spent in Throckmorton, I mean, it was a WPA gym. Wasn't as beautiful as that one. The locker rooms were underneath the the bleachers, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then. We, uh, we played there this year, I can remember. We, yeah, we had to go under there at Throckmorton. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, the varsity locker room is a basement underneath the gymnasium. I mean, it's just people, most of the times the kids just show up and go, oh, this is a gym, here we go. But they don't realize how, how that thing was built and how, how many jobs oh, it saved uh, at that oh, time. I've had kids who have asked them, how old do you think this gym is? Like, oh, it's pretty old. So it's built in like, what, the, the 90s? No, homie, like 1938. <laughs> yeah. What? Like like when you first realize that 5 a.m. is a time on an alarm clock, that's their face. Like, why didn't anyone do anything? Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, next thing up is going to be a, a story with a moral meaning, which I think before we kind of get into our topic, which I am very excited about our topic, um, we've actually, and let's be honest, it's expectations versus reality, and we had expectations that we would uh, do this on the first take. <laughs> yeah, we did. And um, we've had tech- giving away our secrets. Oh, and no. we've had some technical difficulties. We've no. had some things uh, jump in our way. We are learning. We and, are a work in progress. And the here. reality is, this is actually our third take on trying to do this. And it's uh, changed every time. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it, yeah, it's definitely uh, fluid and changed every time. So I think in the end uh, of ex- the topic of expectations versus reality. I think this story is really going to hit home and drive in to where our topic is going to go. And so one day there was this old man. He was having a hard time making ends meet at his house. So he tells his son, he says, Hey, son, need you to go get the, uh, the donkey, and we're going to take the donkey. We're going to take the donkey to market, and we're going to sell it so we can make it for a few more months. Well, the son did not want to sell his favorite donkey, but he understood, went and got the halter, came up to the donkey, grabs it, walks up to Dad, says, Hey, Dad, here we go. Off to the market we go. So they start walking the donkey, they get to the first house, and when they get to the first house, they, uh, this guy yells outside, he says, hey, he says, um, what are you guys doing? He says, ah, man, we gotta, we gotta sell our donkey, and, you know, we're, we're, we're just having a hard time, so we're gonna have to sell our donkey. And, um, he's like, okay, well, you gonna make your son walk? Like, are you, like, are you literally gonna make your son walk? And he goes, yeah. He goes, no, I said, at least let your at least let your son jump on the back, ride it, and then y'all head on off down the market. So listen to the guy, he sits there and says, Yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's uh let's grab the uh grabs his son, throws him up on the back, and off to market they go. Well they get to this second house, and once they get to the second house, 
um, that this guy yells out there and says, hey, what, what are you guys doing? He, you know, he was working on his tractor, and he says, well, uh, taking our uh, donkey to market. We're going to have to, uh, we're gonna have to sell it and, and, and make ends meet. So he sits there and he says, okay. Uh, he says, son, you're going to ride on that? It's a long ways to market. You got to let your dad jump on the back. Well, listening to the guy standing out there, son helps his dad, grabs his hand, throws him up on the back of the donkey, and off the market they go. So they get to the third house. This old lady sitting out into the sitting out into her uh, garden, and she's tending to her garden and everything. And she sits there and says, uh, "Hey, what are you guys doing? Well, uh, we're having a hard time making ends meet, and we need to sit there and we have to uh, sell our donkey." Well, man, that donkey's been a good donkey to you for a long, long, long time. So on its last day of all its faithfulness, you're going to sit on the back of that donkey and you're going to ride that donkey? Uh, yeah? You ought to carry that donkey. So, listening to the old lady, they get off, they figure out how they're going to do this. The son and the dad, both, one gets at the front, one gets at the back, they throw one leg over the shoulder, the other leg's over the shoulder, bend their knees and up, they lift that donkey. So they start walking and they start heading on the market. Well, once they start getting into the marketplace, there's a narrow narrow wooden bridge. It's about wide enough for one car to kind of fit across. They start walking out in the middle of that thing. And sure enough, once they get out in the middle of that thing, a gust of wind hits them. Well, they either got to let go of the donkey or they're all three going overboard. So they let go of the donkey. Donkey goes overboard, they look over the bridge, and that donkey is dead at the bottom of that creek. Well, the moral of the story is, if you try to listen to everybody, you try to please everybody, you're going to end up losing your ass. And I think, I think that's pertinent to our topic of expectations versus reality, because we have expectations that whatever our expectation is, that's going to happen. Reality is going to definitely what? It's going to knock you down. It, yeah. It's going to see if you really want it or not. Yeah. And if essentially. It's, yeah. And if it's truly going to be there. And there's two sides of that. There's two sides of expectations. There's expectations you set for yourself. And there's expectations that other people set for you. And then there's the reality that you have to have in that. And a lot of times, you have to, we have to bridge that gap in between the two by hitting a pause button. And in hitting that pause button, we have to ha- be aware of our situation and then we truly have to be able to communicate where we want to head in that situation. Do we want to do we want to reevaluate this expectation or do we want to evaluate, you know, communicate the reality of the situation and what avenue we want to go. Now, for us being coaches, we have tons of stories that we can tell on the athletic side of things. But I also want to sit there, and I'm glad that Ashley's with us today because I actually want to talk about it from a personal standpoint of of just of marriage and relationships and different ways to handle and communicate that. So, Ashley, you know, what is something that for you, you know, what is something that you feel like you've had some expectations and you've had some reality? Now, I know your husband, Lad's in here, and we're in a safe zone. We're in a safe environment. All six, friends. All friends. And, and six <laughs> well, feet apart, yeah, for we're sure. We're all friends here, yeah. Well, and, and you married us, so, you know, I mean, we, we got to throw that in there. You're, you're kind of in on our... You're responsible for this. You yeah. are. You are responsible. Of, Whether it's good or bad, and, you are responsible uh, for these, this thing goes so, on here. This is on the Mike Reed. So it is. Yeah, no. Continue. So, when we get into our expectations versus reality, I think 
part of uh, any any woman going into a marriage is just we have that expectation that it is it's our world it's it's our fairy tale it's what we make of it and it's always going to be 50 50 you know and and i think that's one i had going into it is that it's always going to be a 50 50 or maybe i should just say maybe 100 100 we're all going to give our 100 percent no matter where it goes and uh with us being coaches it's a little different um and that's the reality of it it's not always going to be an equal part on it um, based on seasons that we're in. Right. Sometimes you know? it's 70, 30, oh, 60, God. 40, 90, 10. It just depends. It depends on not only what your significant other is going through, but like what she said, it was being a coach that time of year. Like for us, she's head softball, I'm head baseball, um, which if we were having a spring sports season around here, I mean, our house would look like uh, – Nagasaki, Japan during World War II, like, it would not be good. We would never, I mean, nobody would be here. Yeah, and so, so we, the reality of it is we have to sit back and, and realize that maybe sometimes <laughs> what I feel like is his 5% is actually his 100%, is actually everything he's giving me uh, with all the stress that goes on with teaching and with coaching at a small school. So, so that's like a big one for us, too. Um, the other expectation is, you know, you get married and when you want to have a family, you have a family. And nobody really talks about that uh, to, to women. Um, I always saw it growing up. I, n- I never had anybody who I knew that really had any troubles with it. So, you know, we, t- we talked about getting married, you know, and we wanted to start having our family. Like, it happens, right? Yeah, it should happen. Yeah. I mean, you plan it. We're coaches. We're planners. We're, yeah. we're thinkers. We Make know our life. the script. Now it's here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Let's go. And, and so I can say that, you know, the That's reality, and, and you saw it, and, and, and the town of Gordon saw it, because we are a small community, and, and that's been a blessing through it all, was, um, you know, we, we did. We found out in August we were pregnant, and October 4th, I, I had a miscarriage. And, um, it, you know, we're in the middle of football season. I had, I had that miscarriage on a Saturday when, when AJ was coaching the fifth and sixth, yeah. or, you know, we, he was coaching football, and I was by myself, and I didn't think anything of it. You know, I knew it was going to happen. The doctor prepared us. And so I'm sitting there texting my sister, who happened to have had a miscarriage also. And so so it gets into the reality of, of it's not always easy, you know, and it doesn't always happen. So so that's kind of just the, the point of it. I know there's a lot of different women out there. I posted on uh, Friday Night Wives about it. And you wouldn't believe the support of women that are out there who are like, oh, I've been through this. We've had three. We've had four. We had to adopt, you know. So so the reality is is it doesn't always go like it needs to. You know? But like as you a young plan. married couple, though, I mean, and, and we talk about this. We talk about expectation and reality. Now both of you guys are caught in that. How do you bridge that gap? What, what did you guys do? Uh, well, AJ became like my leaning post. Like we, we really had to rely on one another through it. I haven't had a lot of, of grief, a lot of heartbreak in my life. Um, you know, I haven't had to deal with a lot of that stuff to You've be honest. Very lucky. I know. And, and I have been, I've been very lucky, very blessed. I, you know, I, out of my four grandparents, I've only lost one. I mean, the other three are still living. And, um, and so I really had to lean on him and he had to say, Hey, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to, to be like this. And, and, you know, there's a lot of tears and, um, you know, we leaned on one another and he said, Hey, like, to be honest, like, I'm really not good at the crying spot. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> what Mel is really good when a woman's bawling their eyes out in front of them, it's, it's kind of a little awkward. 
And, and so I had to reach out, you know, I had Michelle, which, you know, your wife, she was there for me. Um, I had people at school, you know, there were four of us that were pregnant and I was the one that had the miscarriage. And, and so the reality, you know, you do have to communicate through it. Um, just kind of like, uh, you know, the chores in the house, you know, like the expectation of, of the house always being clean and, um, you know, some, some people it's get it done. Yeah. Some people get it done. And, and with our busy schedule, you know, it's always like, Hey, what needs to be done? And I would tell them and you know, it, it didn't always get done on my time. I got done on his time and, and I'm going to throw in, you know, I, I played the call the mom card. You know, I called his mom and was like, dude, I don't even know what to do anymore. You know, like, she, you know she does listen to this, well, right? Well, uh, and she'll, she'll know. And, and, you know, she said, well, make a list. You know, I, I made a list for him. Email. So I made a list and um, I said, hey, this is what I need done. I made you a list, right? And he said, fine, mom. Like, But I think, I think what you did in, in going down that avenue and talking about this well, for young couples coming in is you were talking at the start. I thought it'd be 50-50 or 100-100. And when it's not, when you're getting, hey, I'm getting frustrated, I feel like my 100, I'm feeling like he's at 25, you know, you at least bridge the gap by working, by figuring out how to work, by communicating that with him and saying, hey, you're not working, I'm working, but I don't feel like you're working. Well, and I think that was the hardest thing for us to figure out early on was how to effectively to communicate that uh, as far as to do it without... Not necessarily upsetting each other, like, because everybody can get upset. It's differently, though, when you, somebody gets upset on accident that we know, and then when you are purposely kind of out for that result, which, and so you want to be sure that they, they understand, like, hey, I'm not trying to upset you, but look, like, why is the, why are the dishes not done? Why is the laundry not done? Because you've been playing 2K for two and a half hours, and I'm like, oh, Really? Was it that long? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And that's, I mean, and that's the honest still. Is <laughs> it, it is. That expectation of communication, you actually have to put your feelings aside, and you actually have to work to communicate in an effective way. Yeah. And, and you can't just always be frustrated and angry at one another. Like, there's going to be those moments, and sometimes you do have to hit the pause button and say, well, it might just be me right now. I yeah. may just need some alone time before I can deal with anything and, and fully look back at what his load is and what my load is and us get through it. So so that expectation versus reality and marriage, I think the the biggest aspect of it is make sure, you know, you are communicating and you are always working towards that goal. You know, Which I'll say at least one thing I feel like for us that helps with that is that as being a coach, which everyone in this room is, I feel like really successful coaches they learn what it really means to have multiple approaches. We know we have kids that he screws up. I can chew his butt. But after I chew his rear end, the first time, and he doesn't understand, it go, it goes to, hey, come here. This is what I need to you to understand and to talk to you and to learn a different approach of how to handle people and how to do things. And sometimes we do that with our players, but then we come home and it's like, there's only one way of handling things, and sometimes it's being angry, and sometimes it's being silent. Well, we take the assumption, 
uh, part, and you know what happens when you assume. That is correct. You make an ass out of you yes, and I had, me. I had an ag teacher in high school. He was uh, in the Marines, and that was his favorite thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, let's look at it from an athletic that. standpoint. You're a young coach. Let's look at expectation versus reality. Let's look at it. Uh, you got you and John in here today. So I'm curious from, from an older coach to younger coaches. Tell me what uh, something that's happened to you that's been an expectation versus reality port part for you and how you work through it uh so for me as far as my expectations like this is something that i've i've always wanted to do um since i was in high school sophomore in high school i wanted to be a coach i wanted to teach i wanted to work with young adults to help them and my expectation of it was you know just kind of like i guess anybody necessarily kind of going into a job of you do good at a job you get promoted you get moved up you get more responsibility but the thing about it that's my expectation. The reality of it is, I'm not the person evaluating me saying, oh, he's earned that. I'm thinking, I get through my first year teaching, coaching, I don't get written up, I don't get cursed out, I don't get fired. <laughs> like, well, I must be doing pretty dang good. Like, well, that was not the case because getting into it, we're getting ready. I can remember uh, we're going through our summer meetings and doing things, and I can I can kind of see the writing on the wall. Like, I'm in the same spot, and I want to move up. And so, of talking with you, like, man, like, I, I think I can do these things. And the reality of it is, is I haven't shown that. So now I have the awareness of it. We've had the communication. Now it just comes down to putting in the work. And so my work of it was to help break down film on offense, defense, um, run the junior high, be the junior high coordinator for – football, basketball, and do all of that. And then the biggest thing, really, the other thing was to know what they do on third down. Third down on offense for whoever we're playing, third down on defense for whoever they're playing. Meaning, what do they like to do on third and short, third and medium, third and long, and on both sides of the ball. And that's what I was in charge of. And I'm working, I'm doing all these things. And, of course, me being young, I'm like, I've been doing this for a month. Like, like where's my promotion? Where's my certificate? Like, come on, let's go. And it's not there because obviously not it's not just enough to do the work it's to do it right and find the right way to do it and so I eventually had to learn um because I'm a talker I like to talk and not only do I like to talk I like to make people laugh and so sometimes I try too hard so I had to learn being in a group a room with a bunch of older men like back to when I was working cows and training horses all this with my brother of some of less is more Less is more. And so to pick my moments and figure out what are what are you really asking for me? What's Sonny D asking for me? What's uh Well how were you able to do that? Me? So, you know, when you were at at that school, you know, how were you able to do that? So I you're the evaluation of you, you were evaluating yourself one way and you had the people that made decisions were evaluating you a different way, and then the reality of it was this is where they thought your reality was, and it was different than what you thought. So what I found out was the way I was evaluating me was well, I know the answers for one through nine, but I didn't know the answer to question ten. Well, one through nine, dang near anybody coaching knows. The answer to question ten is somebody who hits the pause button, takes a deep breath, and takes a little time to go, oh, well, this has to be handled differently, whether that's a different scheme, a different kid in, whatever, but it takes a little bit of analyzing, and I had to realize, hey, they already know the answer for one through nine. Don't don't just speak because you know the answer. Yeah. Wait and go. Okay. All right. And then speak up. 
And the more that I did that and waited, the more and more that you, Sonny Howard, were like, okay, he's starting to learn and figure things out to where it became when we're hanging out. Y'all would ask me, like, what do you think about this play? Or if you had to run something, what would you do here and what would you do there to go from kind of going from the kids' table at Thanksgiving to the adults' table? Yeah. You know? Well, John, John, how do you think for you, you know, where do you, you know, you've kind of been around. Where's some. You know, what's some things you've kind of gone through from an expectation to reality? Well, I, you know, one of the biggest things is every time you expect something, I think reality hits. So, you know, you know, leaving high school, you expect something. You expect, you know, to be done with college here. Um, you know, you expect to be doing this, expect this, expect this. And I, I feel like every time I start expecting, the good Lord's like, nah, here's reality. You know, like this is what's really happening right now is this. And, uh, you know, so every time, every time I have a huge practice plan in my life going, um, you know, just a huge curveball, 12, six, just right in my face and, and I swing and miss. And so, you know, I think, I think that's, I think it's normal. I think it's normal with life. I think it's normal with, uh, with your career, with sports. I think every time you think you have it figured out, some big reality hits, you know, and, and, and it's easy to talk sports. It's easy to talk that, you know, every year we're coaches, we want to win. We want to win a state championship. We want to win a district championship, whatever it is, there's a reality that may not be that yet. You know, well, and the communities a lot of times want yeah, that too and, and don't understand. Parents, parents every year, they want to say championship. If they're bringing you in here to do your job, they're like, hey, this is the year. This is the year we win it off. This is, right, and, we got and, our group. and you look we got around and you're like, well, just not, not yet. Give me a couple no. years, you know. But I, I, think that, I think that expectation is always going to be pushing you. But I, I think that it's okay to, behind closed doors, like, you know, with, with our coaches, we sat down before this year and we were like, what's a, what's a realistic goal for us? Now, we're going to tell the kids, let's go after a state championship. Let's do everything we can. Let's, you know, let's fight for playoffs. Let, but, but when we sit here, what's realistic? And, and, and so it's, 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 it's taken me some years to understand that it's okay to have, you know, to have those things to push for, but to also understand that the realist side of things is like, hey, we're gonna be good this year. We're gonna we're gonna fight for some wins. We're gonna lose some games, and 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 we're not gonna be a state champion this year. Now you can tell the parents like, hey, that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're going for. You can tell the kids like, that's the goal because it is. Like we still have goals, even if they're you know they're in, incredibly hard to reach. But you know, reality is still there. You know, and and you know, uh, some for some reason always something thinks back uh, is is you know when you were at Throckmorton, there's you know a big old hardy kid like, you know. Yeah, Michael, you can do it, man. You're playing Throckmorton this week. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if they had a loss, maybe one loss at that point when they were meeting up with Throckmorton in the district uh, that year, and you're like, hey, you can do it, you can do it. But you know, reality is still like, that dude over there is a dude. <laughs> like, that's a big old animal looking over across the, the line at you. And so, you know, it's just it's it's understanding that there there will always be sky high expectations, but reality is going to hit you in different ways. And and when it does hit how you react and how have you as a young coach how are how ways that you've reacted that necessarily haven't been in a positive way um oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. no yeah i'd like to hear that and then how has how has advice and and things grown and how have you uh worked your way through that uh i i think that's that's all coaches especially uh young coaches is um you know your first thoughts like man what what did the kids do wrong what did my other coaches do wrong like what happened until you can really step back and go like, maybe they're just a better team, maybe the better situation, better you know whatever, and it, it's it's to understand you know that situation and 
and not go overkill with it, not not blame the others and, and look at the whole picture. And so you know, I think I think we've all been there where, you know, the second something bad happens, you want to play the blame game. We're on the headset, well, on the sideline, th- you know. And I think this is perfect. And I want you guys to raise your hands on this one. Nobody, and you guys picture this as a podcast. How many of you like to be judged and held accountable publicly? Oh, no. Oh, hey, in case y'all don't know, there are no hands raised up in the air. So I think you're right with yourself off that. Like, nobody wants to be held accountable. So in order to sit there and take expectation to reality, you have to sit there and say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand. Yeah. I want to be held accountable. And I'm not going to be defensive either. I'm going to That's go, the trick. Ooh, That's okay. the trick is, hey, I do want to be held accountable. So now when we sit there and say, hey, who wants to be held accountable in their marriage? Oh, you have to raise your hand. Are you in a hundred or are you not? Are you in the work or are you not in the work? Who wants to be held accountable in coaching? Because I mean, wins and losses for us is is what how we'll always be judged. Always, yes. uh, you win because you got great kids. You lose because you got you're a bad coach. And we know that. I mean, we have that. And so, yeah, as a young coach, soon as soon as the expectation is not being met, even though reality is. We have a team of a bunch of powder puff girls, and we have to sit there and say, ooh, where am I held accountable in that? For me as an older coach, I sit there and say, well, we're held accountable because were, it, were we able to communicate, hit the pause button, communicate with the people that are in in the process of determining whether we win win games or not, which are players, parents, administrators, for those people that are that aren't coaches, uh, I'm hit. I'm, we're not meeting our sales quota. We're not. Uh, we're not doing what we need to in our business. Um, am I able to hit that pause button and have those communications with those people? And I think you're right, John. You know, as a young coach, man, we just get frustrated, throw our hands up, and say, "Well, but to keep those guys going, to keep those guys going, you have to go into that locker room. Even you know, no matter what just happened, you have to go in there and go, that was on me.'" Yeah, that mm-hmm. wasn't because if you if you go in there and start yelling at your kids after a loss, how are you going to continue to grow and get better? You're not. It's, it's, it's going to be they're going to fight back against. They're going to you know they're going to look the other direction. Then yeah. for, when you're well, that makes them. me think of uh, on last chance you first season, mm-hmm. very first EMCC, and they go and I I can't remember who they're playing, but it it uh, the game ends in a uh, fight fight yeah. and a huge fight. I'm talking about... Spoiler alert for those of you that haven't watched it. I hope you're caught up. It's like five five years ago. But I'm talking about there's 40 plus people on on each sideline and there's 100 people in this fight. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. And that head coach from EMCC who, if you've watched it, you know, they are 100 times better than what that team is. But they allow them to get in their heads and they fight them and his reaction is he's angry, he's mad, and he gets after his kids. Calls well, them thugs then, and oh yeah, he calls yeah. them thugs, and that you're no good, you didn't do right, and you shouldn't even be here. Well, then he hits the pause button, watches it, and realizes his boys are the ones out there trying to pull people away and trying to get away from it, and the other team is out there for blood, and they're trying to get out. And he then goes and makes an apology. And every single one of those boys are cutting their eyes to their teammates like, yeah, you can say sorry now, but 
it means nothing to Damn us. And in our industry, that moment is dang near career ending. Well, at the, or at least job ending at that school because once those you lose those kids, you lose the parents, you lose the administration, and you lose the community. And the well, other three are maybe not here or there, but the kids are what matter. Well, and I think, and and this is going to get off a little bit off topic on this part, but I do want to go down this rabbit hole for a minute. Um, I've had to tell my own son this, and I, I've had to tell some young coaches this kind of stuff too, because. Um, Words are damaging. Yeah. So I told my son, uh, you know, he said some tough words and some things like this. And so I hand him some nails. And we have a we have a big, big privacy fence. We're fenced in in our backyard. Okay? And we get out there, and I hand him a nail. A whole bag full of nails. And I said, hey, Striker, I want you to go out there and I want you to nail in that whole left side and I want you to drive a nail in every one of those boards. So he ain't happy with me because he's had a little mouth to him and he goes out there and he he nails a nail in every one of those boards. Well, I'm sometimes father of the year. Was it in the right spot or is it just wherever he wanted it to be? I could care less. (laughs) Okay. But one in every board. All right. So he finished out the whole left side of the yard and once he comes in, and he's, he's calmed down a little bit, he comes in, he says, I'm done. I said, okay. Now, I want you to go on the other side of the fence, and I'm, you're going to take that hammer, and you're going to knock that nail back out, and you're going to bring me every one of those nails. <laughs> okay? So he does that. And once he does that, he brings me all those nails. He brings me about 62 nails, in case you want to know. And when he hands me those 62 nails, I said, let's go out there and look at that wood. And when we get out there, I said, what do you see? Dad, I, I see a fence. I said, no. You see that hole in that wood? You can see all the way through it. Now, here's the putty. And you're going to fill in all 62 holes with oh. this wood putty. And you're going to fill it in. That would have been where I, as a child, would have lit the house on fire. <laughs> I'd have lost my mind. That's the power of words. That nail, that words. nail into that wood is the power of word. You know, of words. You know, and and back into coaching, chasing a rabbit hole down out of different expectation versus reality. He had to come back in, and he could fill those. He could fill that in. But you know what? When he goes and looks at that left side of the uh, fence, what's he see? Still not right. He sees, still wrong with he it. sees 62 pieces of board with some wood filling in there. Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell a story because after 20 years of coaching, I can tell some positive stories without a doubt uh, of things that kids had an expectation that were set. This was the reality. Kids exceeded the expectation I set and great things happened. So we've set even expectations for kids where reality has even exceeded their their work, their ability to hit the pause button, saying that expectation you set for me, I'm not even accepting it. They have that gift about them and it exceeded, which then in turn turns to a lot of wins for Mike Reed. What happens when the expectation set by somebody and the reality set by somebody is then the pause buttons hit with somebody else to commun- evaluate and communicate, you do all the work as a coach, you do all the work as a boss, I mean, you've done everything you can to your to your employee, 
over this guy doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not meeting expectations of mine. He's not. The reality is even this. I, I, I'm not even sure he's meeting even my reality. But this guy not only thinks he's exceeding my expectations and is way above the route, and you can't get on the same board. And what takes me back to this is we had already played for a state championship with and, and lost. The following year, we won a state championship. The next year, we won the state championship again. And the third year, I'm telling you, we're about to play for it for four years in a row and win it three out of the four years. And that's, I mean, that's how good we were. And the next year, I felt like we could win it again. Well, I did have a parent who, was, who I had to hit the pause button with all the time. His expectations, his child were so high, he thought his kid was going to play for Texas Tech. Well, this kid, and 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 I could be wrong, yeah, but my ex- my expectation was not that for his kid. The reality was not that for that for his kid. His kid was five foot five, hundred and forty five pounds. Was a was a great player for his size, good player. But we just could not get on the same same page, no matter how much we hit it. Well, the moral the story with the moral meaning is well. You know, if you don't like it, I'm not going to make everybody happy. Let's go win our let's go win our third straight championship in a row. Let's play for three out of four, right? right. If my story holds true to what I just said, that's that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, just because I tell the story does not mean that I'm the person that's yeah. going to sit back and say, "Well, you're either going to like it or not like yeah, it." Doesn't you know? mean you get the fairy tale ending. Correct. Yeah. So this father and his family decide to uproot the kid who was a big cog into to our success, and say, hey, we're moving 30 miles down the road so I can put him in a bigger stage so he can get this athletic scholarship to Texas Tech University. Hmm. Well. Holding out to be Wes Welker 2.0 or what? Well, you said 5-5. <laughs> he caught maybe one or two passes a game at the school he went to. Yeah. Maybe had know. one tackle a game. They went, they went 10-0 and 0, uh, in the regular season and lost out in the first round. That's what happened with him. He did not get a scholarship. He went on to college to just be a normal student, Joe. student like most kids. And for me, uh, my fairy tale ending, and I'll be honest with you, was a fun season. We lost to the state, championship, uh, the state champion team that, won, that was in our district. We lost to them by four points. We played the number two team in the second round of the playoffs and lost to them by a touchdown. But in turn, where I selfishly would sit back and say, man, we just couldn't get on the same page. I mean, I did everything right. I communicated. I worked. I did everything I could as a coach. But in the end, you know what it brought the group behind that? Oh, brought on, I'm sure it brought them success. It brought them a to, state championship. They had to step up, and they had. It brought to, them a state championship. It was a race. For they might have. They might have won it regardless. They might not have won it regardless, but it did bring them a state championship in that sense. And I'm gonna sit back and yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was the donkey. I could. He couldn't please me. I couldn't please him, and it just was not a happy, you know, happy situation. You know, and I think we have we have all those same stories. We had a similar one when when we moved to Hamilton. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I'm sitting there saying, "Here's my expectation. Here's my reality for for a, a family." Uh, kid was the quarterback for our team. We could not get on the right page of expectation for the kid. I hit the pause button a ton. Uh, I did all the work to get the kid physically ready for it. Um, 
I leave uh, when this kid's a sophomore to come back to Gordon. This kid then also leaves because he feels their expectations are actually even higher than my expectations for the kid as a family. Um, But they, they were getting more distance from reality and I tried to help them with that through the communication. Uh, he goes to a nearby school with great tradition, uh, who has aspirations of winning state championship yes. in, in, in football. Uh, make maybe making make a, a state, make a regional tournament or in, a state in basketball, a state tournament appearance in basketball. Okay, which they so, were good enough to do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he he leaves. He he, he leaves. Um, and goes to that school and does not get the quarterback position. No. Gets put in another position. Yes. Uh, the, kid gradu- uh, the kid that was ahead of him graduates, so then going into a senior football season, he ends up quitting football. Wow. And so... Before the first game. Um, they lose... Uh, that They win the district championship in basketball. They get beat in the first again. round. And again. And again and again. And... So, Which makes me sad for him. But it, it does. It, it's a bittersweet story because he's at least a kid who, he's not an entitled kid. No. He shows up and he does the work and he doesn't care if that work is running six miles and you throw 700 passes. Like, he's going to do it. Yeah. But, you know, it's the difference I, between... I want to end the podcast on on this one positive story. Do you have anything to add, Ashley, for no, us? No, I'm, I'm good. There's a million stories I think all of us could tell as coaches, you know, just things that we've been through, but go for it in this podcast and get that story out there. I want to finish this one up with a and, – and I don't necessarily like talking about kids that you don't have relationships – or that the, the listeners don't have relationships with. But Rural Texas uh, went through a time uh, – they. Rural Texas is the home of Art Bryles, yes. the home of Wes Kitley, yeah. and uh, you know it, it, it is is definitely known for some really amazing people to come through it, and a culture of, of just rich family people that know what winning is, they know what success is, and want to have those uh, conversations of evaluation versus reality. I get this kid who's in junior high, and we've all had these kids as coaches. This kid in junior high is not very good. Uh, he's a little pudgy little thing, and I go ahead and drive the nail, not just one nail. I'm on a roll as a coach that day, and I drive about 68 nails into the woods that day into this kid as an eighth grader. It's impressive. A coffin used to take 27. Yes. Impressive. Thank you. And I, I beat this kid down, and I tell him he's not going to be very good. So long story short on this, the kid hits the pause button, does look at his, uh, you know, evaluates himself, looks at the reality of Coach Reed said, I haven't done any work. I mean, I haven't worked at all. I mean, this is, in the end, while he's driving nails in, it's constantly, I'm not working and doing work. So the kid ends up doing the work. And not just doing the work, but this guy becomes a six-foot, 180-pound Nice Great God. Four percent body fat. Wow. Uh nice human being. That a boy. What up, Kate? First, <laughs> first team. First team all state football. First team all state basketball. And a thirteen nine pole vaulter. And I'm gonna tell this for this reason. You're right. 
my evaluation of him was not even right. It might have been right at the time, but if you're incapable of a coach of sitting and hitting the pause button as a kid grows and saying, let's evaluate and communicate. So as that kid went through his freshman year, junior year, how many times do we conversate with our kids, hit the pause button, evaluate, and and have that communication? Evaluate, communication. Evaluate, communication. To meet the expectations versus reality. Um, so proud of him. And I'll finish it with this. In 2007, uh, we were going to the regional track meet, and we had just won the state track meet in 2006. We were the first Class A school, which then you ran against 2A. It was not split. It split. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran against 2, 2A schools then. Some dudes. Some dudes. Yeah. And we're in Little Peon, Rural America, yeah. with our 50 kids in high school. And we take our team to the regional track meet to try to win the state track meet. Not just once, the first time ever in the history to win outright once, but to do it back to back. Well, at the area meet, my first... I know, I, I know where you're at now. Sorry. Go my, on. my first leg of the sprint relay takes off, and he's getting about three-quarters of the way down, and he pulls up, and he grabs the back of his leg. And we are going to set the state record in the 800 relay. Not by just... Because y'all ran it, what, uh, y'all had it by four seconds. At least. Yeah. The, the, the next closest person to us in the entire state of Texas was by at least four seconds. It was an un... It's, which, four seconds is an ungodly amount of time in a track. Yeah, you probably have time to finish, turn around, person hug, that... Hug everybody and then see and the get you get you a cup of water. Get your nachos. Yeah. yeah like, and so... It's crazy. And so, we're sitting there going, okay, uh... He pulls up, pulls his hamstring. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm standing there on the side like, just walk and give the baton to the second leg guy. Because he was about to walk off the track. I mean, he's hurting. So I'm like, dude, just just walk and hand him the baton. So he does. I mean, he walks fast, hands the baton. We still win Still win uh, the 800 relay that day. Oh, wow. Get to the regional track meet, and we're like, hey, we got to figure out something to do. We we lost our first leg of the 800 yeah. relay and our first leg of the sprint relay. So this kid, who my evaluation of him in junior high, who I put 68 nails in his coffin <laughs> of you're never going to make it, we have to have a runoff with everybody else that's left off. Now, in a small school with 50 students, Not much. you don't <laughs> yeah, have many yeah. choices. Yeah. Yeah. 50 total in high school, so we're talking about... 20 boys, boys, and okay. out of those, you got to take your shot putters out. So right. it's 11 kids. Okay, so um, have you ever seen Rules Track? Yes, I actually have. Have you? Is it dirt? Have you? I have not ever seen it. Because Rochelle has a dirt track, so... Well, yeah. Rule yes. is going to be one less than you. Okay. Rule has a grass track. Nice. And it's out nice. in the middle of a cotton patch field, and it has tires around it, and... It's that's what our track is. It looks like a blast of my dirt track. It looks like a a grass go kart track. Okay, so we get out there and we tell these guys, we say, "Hey, we're gonna race off. It's gonna be close, but we're gonna race off." Well, Kyle Simpson, this kid who's at Rule, who I said was not worth anything, sits there and says, "You know, and I know he's the next fastest, but I want to try to go with the next guy because the pole vault is at the exact same time." as the relay race to get a relay to state. 
So he has to he's competing individually, and then now he had, he would might have to give up something individually yeah. to go do something on the relay. Which you're talking about five. Six jumps from pole vault, which yes. sounds like nothing, but he's really running 50 to 60 meters yes. every time. Yes. And so I sit there and say, okay, Kyle, uh, he wins it by about five yards. I said, the only way I'm going to use you is if if we if we can't. So the second place kid, which is a guy by the name of Tate Clark, um, who is a head coach in Spur right now, yeah. and uh, he wins it. So we run at the regional meet. We when we need these points to win the state track meet, I have to get a I have to get the relay, the sprint relay, and the handle relay. I got to get it to state. So we sit there and I go, okay, Tate, you're you're it. But if it's if if it's close, if it's like bang 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 bang, Kyle, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to put you on it. Well, we run the race. Kyle Simpson gets in there, or uh, Tate Clark gets in there. We run the race, and it comes across, and we're sitting fifth place going in in the relay. We're sitting fifth place going into the finals, and it's bang, 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 bang. bang. I mean, everybody's there. I'm Kyle, like, let's go. So I tell Kyle, I said, <laughs> "Hey, we're gonna have to try this. We're gonna have to do this. I'm sorry, we're gonna have to do this." So we get into the finals. Kyle jumps in there. He runs the sprint relay, and we get second place in the sprint relay and advance to the state track meet. He walks right over there to pole vault. He's in the top three guys in pole vault, and they're all competing around 13 foot. Just the adrenaline, and you know how that is in football in that first scrimmage. You get out there, and you run that first play. like You're in shape, but all of a sudden you're... You're, the adrenaline kicks yeah. in, and your lung, yeah. Yeah. lung oh, yeah. shut yeah. down for whatever ungodly reason. Can't get it. No. Done. Third place oh. in the regional meet, and he's the best pole vaulter there, and he's done. We get in there for the 800 relay. We go to run the 800 relay, and uh, we're ahead by, I don't know, 50 meters going into the last exchange. We drop the baton. We turn around. We pick it up. We're still in first place. And as he turns around to go get it, just the momentum of the other guys catch him, and we end up getting third place. No wild card back then, nothing. Hey, third place, see you later. Pat on the butt, you're done. So now, 800 relays out. Kyle Simpson's out. Uh, and we go to the state track meet, and we're sitting last in the relay. We're sitting, we got a triple jumper sitting at the back end. We're sitting this, like, we're not going to win it. Our sprint relay goes from last place seed to winning it. Our triple jumper medals. And we wind up winning back-to-back state championships. We go to order our rings. You know who doesn't want a ring? No. Yes. He doesn't want one? Says, Coach, I didn't compete that day and I didn't get there. Oh, that's sad. This guy is a highway patrolman in Roscoe, Sweetwater, Colorado City. He's one of the most remarkable human beings on earth. Don't let anybody's expectations ever define you, ever define you, of what you think your reality could be. Ever. But if you don't hit the pause button and you can't communicate and evaluate and put the work in to get there, then you're going to struggle. You're going to be on that story boat of what we talked about on some of the failures. And with that being said, and finishing up the podcast on that story, it's been real and it's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks.